Hey there, language lovers. Shannon here to welcome you to this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. As always, I'm here with my co-host, Benny Lewis, and we're talking to Joe Franco, online personality and polyglot. In this episode, we discuss living between cultures and finding your identity, the language learning spark, why Joe enjoys challenges, journaling as a language learning tool, and the importance of mindset in language learning. We hope you enjoy this episode, and if you do, we would appreciate your reviews. You can let us know what you think at languagehacking.com slash review. And as always, you can find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode in the show notes. Now, let's get on to our interview with Joe. The links and resources mentioned in this episode can be found at languagehacking.com forward slash 56. Welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast from Fluent in Three Months. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Language Hacking Podcast. And I'm joined as uh, usual with my co-host, Shannon. And today we are interviewing Joe Franco. And Joe is a very interesting character, an amazing language learner who inspires millions of people through her videos and uh, her story in general. Just fascinating. And it's why I wanted to have her on the show today. So thank you very much for joining us, Joe. Thank you for having me, Benny and Shannon. I'm super stoked to talk to you guys. I geek out over this kind of conversation and it's exciting when you meet people who are equally as enthusiastic. Absolutely. And so let's dive right on in and let's just hear your version of your language learning story. So how did you grow up and how did things change and how did you get into learning multiple languages after you learned your your first foreign language. What's your story there? All right. So the inception of my language learning starts, it's like a survival-based story. So I was born in Rio, Rio Janeiro in Brazil. My entire family's Brazilian. We had no business coming to the States really. And my mom decided that she wanted to give her three kids a better life. So my mom, strong, independent woman, takes three children under her arm and basically moves us in 1998. I was five years old. And when we landed, we came to a small town in Connecticut. And there were a bunch of Brazilians actually in the city that we first came to, but my mom wanted to really get the all-American experience. So she moved us from a city where there were Brazilians to a town where we were the only family that didn't speak English, which is pretty wild because my mom didn't speak English. I was the youngest of three. None of us spoke English. And so it became this race who could learn English the quickest, right? Because you go to school immediately. We went into school and they didn't have any Portuguese speakers to help translate. The most that I had as help as a kid was the ESL teacher who spoke Spanish. So it was this like wild time. Like now when I look back, I'm like, damn, that raised me. You know, that experience really matured me in the sense that when you're a kid and you need homework help, you go to your parents. But as a kid, for me, I couldn't do that because my mom didn't speak English. So it was basically both of us crying, looking at a homework assignment. And over time, I was like, dang, I got to I got to help myself. So I remember learning English by watching kids shows like Barney and seeing these little tiny graphics of a hand and then the word hand under it. Like I vividly remember that. And that was my first intro into learning languages. And then it became a fun game because I realized that the kids that I was in the ESL group with, like they weren't grasping it as excitedly as I was. And I saw it as a tool. 
to, to help everybody, right? Not just myself, to help my family, to help my brother, sister, my mom. And so I was super stoked when I graduated from ESL, like faster than everybody else. I'm like, okay, cool. I got this. And then what was super fascinating was that it opened the door for me to get removed from class to translate for the other kids that were coming to the town that didn't speak English. Then I saw the game. I was like, oh, I love language because it gives you access. It almost gives you this like superpower that an adult three times your age might not have. So when I noticed that, plus I, I hated school, ironically, like I didn't like studying in school. So any excuse to get me out of class, I would willingly do. So I'm like, I'll translate, I'll translate. So that was my first foreign language experience. And then I became bilingual. And then something interesting happened where I would call family in Brazil and they would make fun of my accent speaking Portuguese. And I got embarrassed and I didn't want to speak Portuguese anymore. And in America, I wasn't American enough. So I was living in between cultures and that's how I grew up. And then instead of being embarrassed by it, I was like, you know what? I can turn this into an advantage. Instead of trying to be one thing, I realize I never will be one thing. So screw it. Let me try to be as many things as possible. And so I had the choice to learn Spanish or French in middle school. And I chose French uh, because it was more different, you know, than, than Portuguese and Spanish. And I was like, why would I pass up the opportunity to learn something completely new? So I started stu studying French, didn't like school again, but was naturally able to pick up the sounds and hated grammar, like could not stand it. The teacher despised me too. And you guys probably know this, if you have teachers that encourage you, it's so much more helpful. So the French that I was learning was almost like me cutting the corners and still getting by. So it wasn't the brightest time in my life, but I still enjoyed the actual language. When high school came around, I uh, was able to learn Italian, but they, they were trying to make me choose between French or Italian. And I wrote a letter to the principal saying, I grew up in a bilingual household, so I can handle this. And if I can't, then you can remove me from either or, but let me get the chance to study Italian as well. So then I got the green light. I was the only kid in high school that did both French and Italian, and they were both back to back. So I would take an hour of French and then an hour of Italian and I loved it. Like that was my jam. So then I started getting my groove. I started applying myself more and doing the things I didn't like, such as studying. And you guys know so much of language learning is independent studying. It's like you got to do the stuff you don't want to do, like repeating verb conjugations and the boring stuff. So I applied myself there. And then from there, I just basically realized I could spend the rest of my life doing this because it's so much fun to expand your brain. And then when you get to apply it and meet people you would have never met because they don't even speak another language or they might only speak a few languages, when you can tap into that, it becomes the most exciting thing in the world, in my opinion. I think it's really interesting what you said about having these dual identities that you were originally fighting against, but then decided to just go with it later on. And I think that this is something that a lot of language learners face is figuring out who they are in another language, figuring out who they are in their own language, and kind of coming into your own personality, your own persona in each language. And now that you speak more than just 
Brazilian Portuguese and English, you speak all of these different languages. How have you found that's come into play for you uh, with your identity and knowing so many different languages? Shannon, what a question. Such a good question. I think there's so much more studying that needs to be done on psychology, personality, and overall outlook on life as we adopt new languages, because, you know, you get access to phrases that you wouldn't even have known about or ways of living because of the language. Language is everything at the very base of humanity. Like we are the species that uses communication. And the fact that we have the ability to learn more languages makes it even more interesting. So as far as my personality is concerned, like embracing the dual, the duality right? The, the hyphen in my identity, that was a big moment of, of being empowered as opposed to being ashamed. Because I think initially my, my feeling was I was ashamed. Like I didn't want to speak in Portuguese because my family would joke around, but I felt self-conscious about it. I was like, damn it, I have an accent. And then I was just like, screw that. If you can understand what I'm saying, that's the point, right? At the end of the day, we're communicating to understand one another. Sure. I might poorly say something or misconjugate something, but it doesn't change what I'm trying to tell you. So after I took control of that narrative and embraced the fact that I would make mistakes and looked at mistakes as a good thing, then it just became this beautiful opportunity to, to expand myself. And so I do think it's fascinating though, that like some people only know me in one language, right? Like I've dated people who only know me in Italian or only know me in French. And I'm like, wow, how cool is that? Like, sure. I'm the same person, but you just, I'm sure you guys know, I would love to hear about your thoughts on this. Like when you speak a language, you really do unlock a new layer of yourself. You're just like, wow, am I more bubbly in Italian or, or Portuguese? Or am I sassier in Arabic? Am I wittier in Greek? Like all of these are questions that I ask myself. And I don't know if there's an answer of how to describe each personality that I have in each language. But what I do know is that my, my entire being is a combination of multiple cultures and languages because that's what's created me, right? And that's what's continuing to create me, to evolve me. Yeah, it really gives you a rich uh, vastness of experience in life when you can branch off and have uh, entire friendships and entire aspects of your life in another language. So I definitely agree with that. Yeah. And, uh, wait, I want to know, like, how do you guys feel about your personalities in different languages? Well, for me personally, and I want to hear from Shannon, for me personally, it hinges so much on the context of how I was learning the language. So um, I learned French in a professional context, because I was an intern in Paris. So whenever I speak French, I feel like my French is more formal than it would be uh, my English or my other languages. And it's uh, more complex because I'm used to talking about engineering concepts. Whereas my Spanish, I never really truly worked as an engineer in Spanish. I learned all my Spanish on the street. I cursed like a sailor. I, so like I'm, I'm way, way more jovial and social in Spanish. And uh, that is in large part because of the context of how I was learning the language. And I think this really comes into play for the likes of us who have used the language in the real world. Because I think if you learn a language just academically, it's very, very hard to have a personality in Italian or in another language because you just have it in that classroom environment. Uh, well, what, what are your feelings, Shannon? So I don't know if my person, 
Well, okay. So my personality might be a little bit different because in English and like my native language, I'm very shy and introverted. And so like I'm able to pull myself out of my shell for certain things like doing this or doing live YouTube videos and those sorts of things. But naturally, I just I'm very quiet. And I think because with languages, in order to learn them, you have to speak them, you have to put yourself out there. So I might be a bit more outgoing in the other languages that I've learned just because of the way that you learn them. You don't really have any other sort of choice. So I would say maybe that's one really big difference. But one thing that I have noticed, and it's not so much personality or an identity thing, is when I speak, like this is my English speaking voice, but when I speak other languages, the pitch of my voice can change quite dramatically. So when I speak Chinese or Japanese, my voice is a lot higher. And when I speak languages like Croatian or Russian, my voice is a lot lower. And it's one of those things that's like very obvious and very apparent when people listen to me speak those different languages or I hear recordings of myself. It's like, man, that's not my voice, but it is my voice. So that's definitely something that I've noticed. And I don't know, maybe it is a mindset shift that's causing this, the pitch of my voice to alter. Maybe it's not. I don't know. Like you said, a lot more research needs to be done on this sort of thing. Yeah, it truly is a fascinating subject and how personalities emerge and especially when you're able to use them in so many different contexts. Like you said, like you've dated different people in other languages, you've lived in other countries. So it really gives you that rich variety. Um, and I do want to talk a lot more about your travels, but just going a little bit back to um, when you were first getting into languages, you had that natural spark and the way you described it, like, you know, you're, I could feel you lighting up with passion about learning languages and how it was like your destiny from the start. But of course, other people that you've interacted with maybe didn't have that same spark. And I think you've mentioned that you were kind of like the helper for other immigrants who themselves may have struggled to learn a language, maybe not had that same spark. And then, of course, on your YouTube videos, you're very encouraging to other people who uh, maybe initially didn't have that kind of momentum. So what kind of things do you say to people and what was your initial experience helping other uh, like an immigrants in the ESL context? And like, how did you inspire them when they would doubt themselves and think I'm not good enough for this or I'm too dumb for this? What do you tend to tell people? Such a good question. First and foremost, I think maybe I'm overgeneralizing here, but for the most part, I think any language learner has to get over anybody in general has to get over the fear of making mistakes. And it goes back to what I was saying, like in the beginning, I wasn't excited. I wasn't gung ho about learning English or speaking to my family in Brazil and Portuguese because they make fun of you, right? Like people joke, people make fun of you. And what they think is like a harmless little joke will tear down your self-confidence and make you feel dumb, especially as a five-year-old kid, you know, like I was an eager kid, but the minute somebody in school says something like, you don't sound like the rest of us, especially because I was a shy kid. This is the irony. Like I was very introverted, very quiet, very shy. And I guess there just came a moment where I'm like, okay, I have two options. I could be ashamed of, of this, which is something I cannot change, or I can just get better at it. And so for me, it became exciting because the more I practiced, the better I got. And if I could overcome that fear and that ashamed, you know, that ashamed feeling, the feeling of shame and just get down to doing the work of practicing practicing, practicing alone by myself, talking to myself, like so many hours of talking to myself, like a crazy person. And then I took it 
one step further and started posting it on the internet where the world was ready to judge me. And that wasn't easy either because in the very beginning, 10 years ago, when I started making YouTube videos, I was teaching Damon Portuguese, right? Like we had a channel together and here I am with this rusty garbage Portuguese that is basically of a five-year-old and I'm teaching my friend we're 20 something, we're like 21, 22. I'm teaching him Portuguese, but I'm sounding like a five-year-old. And we'd post these videos online and the comments would just be like, this girl doesn't speak Portuguese. This girl's trash. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, the more I post, the better I'll get. Right. And this is across the board. If I start posting videos in Portuguese today, it'll be the same exact thing, but I just don't let the fear of mistakes or the fear of being judged stop me because if I practice, I will gain more than if I don't practice. So whenever it came down to encouraging other foreigners or anybody who, you know, was trying to learn a language, I would tell them like, focus on your mission. Like it doesn't matter what anybody else is saying because their opinions of you is not going to change the fact you need to learn this language for survival. And then when it comes to passion languages, right. When we're just learning languages for fun. It's the same thing. It's less dramatic because we don't need it for survival, but it's like, focus on you, focus on your studies because you will get better. That's my favorite part about language learning. It's this transformative process, right? Like how cool is it that you start sounding like crap? And if you apply yourself, you sound great and you get better and better. Like how amazing is that, that we're capable of that? One of the things that you recently did was you purchased your first home in cash and you said that you manifested this. So I'm curious what manifestation means to you and then how you apply this to language learning. So yes, thanks for watching. That video was really cool to edit and and just relive the whole process. So manifestation, like I don't even know if I, it's such a hard topic, right? Because it's like this hippy dippy like manifestation. What I do know is that everything that's been pretty out there and extreme that I've said has come true. And I said it not thinking that it would. And then when it happens, I'm like shook. I'm like, oh my God, I did say that, didn't I? Like I almost forget because I plant the seed. And then I guess subconsciously I'm working towards that. Even if, even if things happen by accident, like when I started making YouTube videos, I said, I want to have a show on Netflix. This is a crazy idea because back then every executive that I met with, and I met with a lot of television executives, I would pitch them shows. They would all say no. They would look me in the face and say no. And then 10 years later, yes, it was a whole ass decade. (laughs) 10 years later, I got a show on Netflix. Same thing with the house. I'm like, I'm only going to buy a house if I have enough money to buy it in cash. And I also wanted to buy a house for my mom to thank her Because if she hadn't sacrificed everything by leaving Brazil, I wouldn't have this crazy opportunity to be traveling the world, learning languages and being an entrepreneur. And then five years after I said that, I was in this situation where I'm closing on this house and I had been pre-approved for a mortgage. And literally three days before closing, the bank declines me because I'm an entrepreneur and I didn't have two plus years of tax history in my new company. And I'm like, okay, I guess my only choice is to buy it in cash. I said I would do this. So I guess when it comes to manifestation, yes, we can say a lot of things, right? Like I can say I'm going to learn Arabic, but I do know in the back of my mind that if I don't carve out the time, if I don't work, nothing's going to happen. So it's a two-part thing. 
And I guess it all starts with really going down to the core of what do you want? Because we can want many things, but we have to prioritize. We only have 24 hours in a day, especially for language learning or building a company or creating videos. Like those are very time consuming things. So you have to hone in on what do you really want? And for me, the more I live, the more clear it gets. The world opens up, right? And I'm always like, oh my God, I don't have enough hours in the day. But what I know is that I'm clear on my mission. And that's helpful. Like I'm clear that I want to continue learning languages, that I want to make content that speaks to global minded people, that I want to support my family, that I want to live a free spirited life while being an entrepreneur. And like, luckily, thanks to the internet, all of that's possible now. So you uh, mentioned in passing there, and uh, I know you've told me privately that uh, at the moment, you haven't kind of shared it with the world, but by the time the podcast goes live. Well, I have already. The trailer came out. Woohoo! Oh, the trailer's out. Okay. So what is this Netflix show? Tell, tell us about it. So wild, you guys. One of the, you know, those crazy manifestation moments about like five or six years ago, I was in my agent's office, my then agents who didn't really believe in me. And I slammed my hand on the table dramatically. And I'm like, I will get a show on Netflix. And I'm telling this to my agents. And these are huge names in the industry who didn't believe me, didn't believe in me and didn't believe me. Sure enough, I get an email one day from executives who are creating the show for Netflix who think, you know, I'd be great. And I go into the audition process and next scene is me getting cast for this amazing show where I travel around the world for what should have been six months, but turned into a year because of COVID. And I get to stay in the world's most amazing vacation rentals, which is going to be the name of the show, <laughs> the world's most amazing vacation rentals. And it was a really cool opportunity to take a decade worth of making travel videos and observing cultures and learning languages and apply it to this show where we're really talking about the shift in travel. Like travel is no longer booking a hotel and staying in a touristy area. And we know this, right? Like we've traveled like this for a while, but it seems like the world is learning this. And this show is destigmatizing Airbnbs and vacation rentals. Like we're really showing the experience that you get. And my job on the show specifically is the travel girl. Like I'm the traveler. I'm the language expert. I'm the one who is getting out there in the middle of the rice fields and exploring. So it's going to be fun. I hope you guys like it. So speaking of traveling, um, obviously, as you mentioned, there's a lot more to it than what one would typically assume. And in getting to travel a lot and speaking all of these different languages, would you say that the connections that you've built as you've traveled have been different than you imagine they might be if you didn't speak these languages? Absolutely. I mean, speaking languages is like the number one way to earn respect and smiles, right? To gain smiles and to just show that you care enough to dedicate yourself to learning another language. Like to me, that that's that's my MO. It's like to show up to a new country, even if I don't have time to learn the entire language, obviously, right? Like some places we just are passing through. I'll always make it a point to learn how to say basic things like, hello, thank you, please have a good day. Right. And it's been amazing to see in Japan. Like I didn't have enough time to learn Japanese, but I learned how to say like I'm allergic to shellfish and like, thank you. And, you know, just all of the beautiful people that would look at me, not only get excited by my interest in their language, 
but help me. It just opens the door to like this beautiful human connection that I guess I'm, I'm excited to have every time I go somewhere. And that applies for being fluent in a language and just dabbling in the language. It's the same thing. I think people are always excited to see a foreigner care and respect them and, and be excited about their language and culture. And it can, uh, as we've mentioned, it can be such an amazing way to get many rich experiences. But I, I like to sh- um, like think of both sides of the coin. And I'm curious, like as well as the wonderful things, like there have also been challenges in your travels. So what challenges have come up and why have they been that way? Yeah, I mean, I've I've experienced a bunch of crazy stuff. Anything from getting robbed to being shot. Like I, I got shot in Brazil. Like I live with a bullet in my back. And I, I still don't look at those experiences as reasons to prevent me from traveling. And in fact, the language has helped me in every bad moment that's ever happened. You know, like when I got robbed in Mexico, I had enough Spanish to speak to the cops and to research what am I going to do to get my credit cards back? Like these are it's like being a Swiss army knife, right, of survival or like one time I ended up in an ambulance in Italy in this small town and I was in a homestay where I barely spoke Italian at the time. And I get pushed into the ambulance by myself and I'm having to answer all of these medical questions I'm scared. It's in the middle of the night. I can barely breathe. And somehow I pulled Italian out of nowhere. And I swear that's when I became fluent because I had to be. And they're like, wow, why do you speak Italian? And I'm like, I don't. I'm learning right now. Like it's, it's moments like that where I'm like, damn, language is not just to say you speak it, right? Like I'm not a checklist kind of a person. I really learn things to apply them not only for survival, but for the beautiful moments that happened because of a connection that was made because of a language. All right. So you said you were shot in Brazil. Yep. Robbed in Mexico. Yep. Loaded into an ambulance in Italy. Yep. But you still say that Egypt was the hardest trip you've ever taken. So why is that? Egypt was hard. And, you know, I I love Egypt and I'm learning Arabic now, which is going to be interesting. I'm planning on spending a month in Cairo in uh, the fall. So my best friend is Egyptian and I love her dearly and her family took us into their family's home and it was an amazing experience, but it was truly the first time I experienced culture shock, right? Like there couldn't be a more opposite culture, Brazil to Egypt. I grew up like shaking my booty in a bikini as a four-year-old. And meanwhile, I'm at a beach where I'm wearing a one piece and I'm feeling like I'm going to go to jail because people are swimming in burkinis. Like it's just a big culture shock as a woman, as a woman of color, culturally, as far as like being an independent woman. Right. So it was really challenging for me because I was connecting with her family and with locals, but it was the first time where I really was challenged in how my behavior, how my way of living is so different, right? Like for lack of a better word. And so now as I'm learning Arabic, it's been really, really fascinating because I have an Egyptian teacher and he's super cool and it's opening a new layer of, of Egypt for me, right? I think part of the way that I travel is different because I, I would rather go back to the same places to really understand them as opposed to going to new places. And Egypt is the perfect example. So I've been there once. 
and I didn't speak Arabic. And now I'm going again with more Arabic under my belt and I'm ready to kind of open my eyes even more. I'm always happy when I'm challenged because that means that I'm growing. Like when people agree with me, it's boring. I'm like, no, come on, give me a challenge. And Egypt is that. Egypt is a challenge for me. And the good news is that when you come out of a challenge, you grow. So it's exciting. Even though it's difficult, it's exciting. And I know with all of these uh, amazing stories that you'd obviously want to uh, recall them later, that journaling is uh, also part of uh, what you do. And do you implement that as a, a part of your language learning process as well? Man, you guys did your homework. I appreciate that. It's really beautiful. Thank you. So. I have journaled my entire life. I have my whole life chronicled in several different books. I think I counted 17 journals so far. And the more I live, the more I write. Like before I would take one year to finish a journal. Now I'm finishing a journal in two months. And I guess it's because I found how beautiful it is to relive the past. So there are so many reasons I could talk to you guys about journaling for the rest of my life too. It's like language learning and, and journaling. It's Those are my two favorite things. But journaling has been a really cool way to keep myself busy, to really learn about who I am, to chronicle my my experiences, right? Like so that I can relive the time that I was in an ambulance in Italy in detail in ways that I forgot. Or when I had just gotten shot, like I wrote about that, right? So I encourage journaling for everyone, whether you're living a day-to-day life, like right now I'm journaling and I've been in my house in Connecticut and I'm writing about the frogs and crickets outside because I know one day I'll forget and I want to remember this. And as far as language learning is concerned, it's been a really cool tool. I've actually started language learning events. So I started a company called Joe Club, which stands for Journal Club, but conveniently also makes sense with my name and journal club is the journal club is essentially like this global group of journalers and the event started in English and there's a membership program, but then we started making special events. So we do journaling in Fongli where a French speaker, we work together to create these thought provoking questions and everybody's on a zoom call and we have this whole dynamic exchange from people all over the world who want to practice their French but they want to practice it in this more uh, introspective way as opposed to making it academic. And it's like, I've never seen an event like this before, but I'm making it. And so we did journaling in Fongli. We did journaling in Spanglish. Now we're doing journaling in Brazilian Portuguese, which I'm I'm wondering if Portuguese is, it works, but I don't think it does. I, I usually go with Port, port English. Port English. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that one needs better branding. But anyways, um, <laughs> And it's been really cool to not only see people's reactions to the events, because this is like a this is almost like a language meetup meets a writing class meets like therapy is how I would describe these events. And it's one of my favorite things. So, yes, I highly recommend journaling for learning a new language. And we have journal prompts if you don't know how to get started. Like that's the whole point of Joe Club. We ask thought provoking questions daily. And you can easily translate those questions in your target language and start writing. You'd be surprised how many gaps you find in your expressions when you're asked a basic question. Like for me, I'm like, oh shit, what's that preposition, right? It's like moments like that where you're like, oh, I need more practice with this. And this is the kind of conversation starter that I want to have with a local. So in addition to your Netflix show that's coming out very soon, 
you also make a recommendation for a particular Netflix show for language learners. And so you say that The Circle is like one of the best shows that language learners can watch. What's the reason behind this? Yeah. So I, I got into The Circle this time last year, right? We were all in lockdown. And honestly, to be real, if I'm ever watching anything on Netflix, my one prerequisite is that it's like in a foreign language. Sometimes I binge American shows, but like 90% of the time, I really use Netflix as a way to tap into other cultures and practice my languages. And so I found out about The Circle, which is a social media show that I would normally not click on. But then I found out that there was The Circle Brazil and The Circle France. And the way The Circle is, it's essentially a social media game where people are using their diction, like voice commands to a screen. And so for me, like that was the best way to learn how to say things like entre guillemets in French, which is in quotes. Like I've never used that before, but the, the players of the game are speaking what they're supposed to be typing. I don't know. It's complicated. Basically, I recommend that anybody who's learning French or Portuguese or English watch the circle because you get to learn these slang terms that you wouldn't learn. They speak slower and it's a pretty good show, to be honest. Like I binged all of all three seasons. And uh, another thing that's come up in your videos is uh, you've touched on your mindset and uh, being able to turn your life around. And I think this is something that especially rings true for a lot of people right now that they've gone through difficult times. So what kind of things do you say to people who are potentially at a point where they could turn their lives around? And what have you done um, along those lines yourself? So. No one really knows this, but I was going through like dark times before I started learning Arabic. Dark, right? Like major heartbreak, problems in the career, just dark. And I remember waking up being so sad. I'm like, oh, I'm tired of being sad. And then I kind of went back to the drawing board. I'm like, what's the one thing that's always made me happy? And then I went back to this like childlike moment of remembering how exciting it was to learn languages from scratch. Cause the truth is, unless you're in a new country, you're not going to really be super excited about learning a language. That's at least what I thought. And then this one day I woke up and I was just like, I'm going to start this on Monday. I'm going to buy a package of classes and I will sit my booty down and I'm going to study and I'm going to learn this language that I don't need to learn. There's no need for me to learn this, but I know that it's always made me happy. And that's the example that I use in the, the most recent times. But I think any major change in my life, it's been that way. It's like, I am tired of being tired. Like, I just want to get back to, to being my favorite version of myself. And I know that when I slip up and when I get really in a dark place, I just got to revert back to the things that have always grounded me, even if the motivation is lacking. Like, Maybe I don't want to run, but I know every time I run, I feel better. Right. And so then I just count to five, one, two, three, four, five. And then I'm like, time to go get up. So you kind of have to be your own drill sergeant. But I always think of how much better I will feel when I do this. And that's what motivates me. And then sure enough, after it's done, I'm super pumped. And then I have energy to keep going. And I think it's just small steps like that too. Um, one other, another reason why I love journaling is because it's a page by page process. 
And that's when people become successful. It's when they realize that if they do something small every day, it'll accumulate, right? So when I started journaling, this is also what I noticed and what motivated me. It's like, all I have to do is write one page every day. And by the end of 30 days, I'll have 30 pages. And by the end of a year, I'll have 300 pages. And when you start noticing that, you realize that it's not impossible to turn your life around. It's just a commitment. And it's a a small increments at a time, page by page, day by day. On a related note, one of the questions that we like to ask all of the guests we have on the podcast, given that this is the language hacking podcast, is what is your definition of language hacking? Oh, what is my definition of language hacking? I guess just getting out there and being okay with making a fool of yourself and not taking yourself so seriously and writing every single thing down. Like that is my language hack. Literally everything that comes out of my teacher's mouth, I write down. If I'm in the street, pen and paper in hand. I'm very pen and paper oriented in general, but especially with learning languages, I just know that we don't have enough bandwidth in our brain to retain everything. So paper and pen, that's my go-to. That's my language hack. Get a journal. Excellent stuff. This has been a fascinating interview. And of course, in the show notes, we're going to uh, give um, ways that people can find you, the Joe Club, how to find your Netflix show, or at least the trailer. And of course, your uh, very rich YouTube channel that you've got uh, very inspirational videos on uh, regularly. So all of that will be in the show notes. Then people can go check you out. And uh, otherwise, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been very interesting. And um, like, uh, do you have any closing notes for people to inspire them as they get back into their own language learning projects? Oh, man, just do it. Just do it and have fun. Like, make it fun for yourself. Watch movies, find somebody to flirt with, make a new friend, right? Like, that's what makes it exciting. Dance to some music, like, make it vibrant. At the end of the day, to me, language learning is not this academic stuffy thing. It's like the coolest way to unlock layers of humanity. Like that's, I think, my concluding thought. And on that note, I actually have an Arabic class to go to. So, (laughs) (laughs) Excellent stuff. Well, we won't hold you too long. We'll let you get to that Arabic class. So thank you very much. And until the next time, we will wish everyone listening very happy language learning. Happy language learning. Thank you, guys. At the end of each episode, Benny and I like to share a takeaway that we got from our conversation with our guest. And this is something that is immediately actionable, something that you can put into practice in your own language learning to get immediate results. So Benny, why don't you start for today? All right. So I really liked uh, something that she touched on twice in terms of uh, how she deals with the challenges. So uh, both the fact that she uh, had an accent when she would speak Portuguese to her family and she'd have to deal with embarrassment. And then also she returned to this theme when she mentioned that she was in the ambulance in Italy and that like, you know, it can, bad things can happen, but you can also turn this on its head. And if you have language learning at your arsenal, it, it can really become, like she said, a Swiss army knife. I think Swiss army knife is even more relevant in language learning because the Swiss are speak multiple languages. So uh, you can think of language learning as your Swiss army knife that will either help you with a, a situation like like she had, or it can be something to be proud of, like the fact that she had an accent 
uh, made her more aware that she was different. But she decided rather than to be ashamed of that, to own that and decide, I'm going to actually make this the theme of my life. And I'm going to embrace the fact that I'm between these two cultures and make exploring cultures uh, a central aspect of my life. So I, lo- I really like how she turned around these challenges to be actual advantages uh, enriching her life. What about yourself? I would have to say it was a subject that came up when she was talking about journaling and how committing to doing it each day by the end of the year, you have 365 journal pages, which is 365 more than you would have if you didn't make that daily commitment. And so it just really shows the power of doing something consistently and how much it adds up. So if you commit to even just doing 15 minutes a day for 365 days, I mean, that's a lot of time that you're spending with your language that if you weren't making that commitment, you wouldn't get. So it's just about doing something each day. And that time by the end of a year, by the end of five years, it just adds up and it builds. And this kind of resonates with something that I have kind of been refreshed on in rereading James Clear's book, Atomic Habits. And he talks about how a basketball team, even if they don't have a specific goal of, you know, winning whatever final match in that league that there is, if they're practicing every single day, that skill is building up and that's a system. So you don't necessarily even need to have a goal to accomplish amazing things. It's just having a system in place for growing, for learning, for getting to that next level. And you know, you'll be surprised by how much you can accomplish with just a system, even without goals. And so I like that she doesn't have this goal of, you know, journaling, journaling every single day of her life. She just has this goal of journaling a page every single day and, or it's her system is journaling that page every single day and how much it adds up. So I think having these systems and processes, and I know Benny, you're a systems person too. So, um, there's just a lot of power in having something like that. All right. So again, if you enjoy this episode of the podcast or the podcast in general, we love hearing from you. So please let us know what your thoughts are over at languagehacking.com slash review. And as always, everything mentioned in this episode will be in the show notes available to you. So we appreciate you listening. And until the next time, happy language learning. Happy language learning. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Language Hacking Podcast. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you found this episode valuable and want to help us out, please leave a review at languagehacking.com forward slash review. The Language Hacking Podcast is presented by Benny Lewis and Shannon Kennedy and produced by David Sobel, with special thanks to the Fluent in Three Months team. Theme music was written and performed by Shannon Kennedy. Find the show notes at languagehacking.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening and happy language learning.